0: Verse 5, 12, verse 5. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Let's pray. Lord, we gather today under the banner of Christ. Lord, this room is filled with So many people that are so different in where we're at in life, in age, so many differences. And yet, Lord, in the midst of that, there is a unity under Christ. And I pray today, Lord, that we would all receive your word. God, that your word would go forth in power and might and would bear fruit for your glory. I pray, God, that you would use this time in a mighty way to exalt your name. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do we need to squeeze together a little bit so we have a couple more seats? We got some seats up front here. Got some seats up front. Nobody wants to sit in a penalty box. Nobody wants to do that. By the way, while we're all settling in, did you notice these sweet mohawks these boys have? Look at that. Three boys. All three of them have mohawks. Oh, man, God is good, isn't he? All right, we'll let everybody get settled in. Next week is the last time we have one service. Then we go back to two services on uh, September 9th. Or 11th, I'm sorry. Well, what we have seen so far in the book of Romans, in the first 11 chapters, Paul has laid down just practical theology. He lays out who we are. We're sinners. All of sin falls short of the glory of God. And he says, you know what? And because of that, you're separated from God. That that separation is because of our sin and because God is holy. But God in his goodness and his kindness sent his son. And Jesus would go to the cross. He would bear the sins of all who would believe. And then he would die and rise from the dead. And all who would receive that gift of salvation by God's grace and God's mercy would be made right with God. God. And Paul laid that out so beautifully. I like how he took his time. He said, 11 chapters of that? I love how he took his time. Because, you know, we need to hear it over and over again. And so Paul lays down this practical theology. And then we come to chapter 12 and to the end of Romans. And what Paul is saying here is he's saying, all that practical theology is the foundation for the way you can live now. Ryan preached last week he talked about the fact that you know uh, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed and i was thinking about that and how you know being conformed to this world is kind of like uh, dough that is pressed into the cookie form right the dough is just forced into there and yet then we think of this transformation this caterpillar that turns into this and God's word says that when his spirit dwells within us, there's a transformation that can take place, that happens, and it can change the way we think, the way we speak, the way we live because of what God does. And now he, he's moving this and he's saying, my spirit dwells within you, and now this is gonna have an effect on the way you live, on the world that you live in. And I, these first couple verses are in chapter 12 lays kind of the foundation of what we need to process and embrace as we look at being transformed people that the world will see and say, I want what they have. Because unfortunately, the church looks so much like the world today that they can't tell the difference many times. What we see is this, is that all Christians are one body. And each person in that body has a diverse, God-given gift, at least one. And it's for the benefit of the whole body. The whole body. It's this picture of unity and diversity. Unity and diversity that is absolutely only possible in Christ. That's what we'll see in Scripture. Otherwise, we wouldn't be meeting here together. We might not even like each other sometimes. But we have this unity in our diversity because of Christ. And that unity in diversity is because of Christ and it is is empowered by his spirit is what the word of God says. And as we come into this foundational, okay, have this mentality, understand this. As we come in here, I love how Paul starts it all out with humility. He says, humility is a key. We must have humility in order to recognize and embrace embrace the concept of one body in Christ. Take a look at God's word. Romans chapter 12, 3 through 5. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. That was continuing on from do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it goes into this humility. Don't think... A whole lot about yourself. Don't puff out your chest. You ain't got it all together. And then we go into 1 Corinthians 12, 17b-21. If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. What we see here in God's word is that this body illustration, analogy that Paul is using, reflects this complementary relationship of unity and diversity of the church. That's what it's meant to do. That's what he's pointing out here. And he's showing, you know what? We're one body. That's the unity. We are one body. And yet, We do not share the same functions. We do not share the same functions. That's that's the diversity. I mean, you look around in this room, you see the diversity. And we're gifted in different ways, as we see. Now, we think of unity, and sometimes we think, well, that means we all have to be the same. We have to dress the same. We have to think the same. And outside of the gospel, we have to agree on that but we can think differently about different things. That's not unity just because we're all on the same whatever it might be. A view of COVID and how we should respond or a view of political parties or whatever it might be, we're not bound to that in order to only have unity. Although I think what we see is that when we have diversity in some of those things, if we can stay together by God's grace in unity, it glorifies God. And so as these things have been tearing churches apart, if we can have this diversity in views and things that are happening, stand strong on the gospel, if we can have unity in the midst of that, that glorifies God. And that's a picture of what we see. So unity is not sameness. Unity is not interchangeability. In other words... I can do what you can do so we can just switch out the parts. Doesn't matter. We're all the same. We have a unity. We're different. We're different. Doesn't mean interchangeability. Unity means that we can come together on those things that the gospel stands on and we can hold strong to those things and encourage each other in those things and where we may differ on what I call not critical issues, not gospel-centered issues, then can we have unity in that in the midst of our diversity for the glory of God? So it doesn't mean interchangeability. I can do the same thing that you can do and we just switch out the parts. That's not the way it works. That's not unity. What we are is we're individually members of one body. You have the body of Christ around the world. We're part of that. We're part of that great body. And those of us that are calling this their church, this is our body, a little part of that greater body. And we are one body, one body, individual members of it. And we are interdependent, not independent. We are interdependent is what this illustration of the body shows us. What we have to do is we have to fight our natural tendency to have unity and diversity because our natural tendency is i'm going to do it on my own i don't need others i don't need them some of you may want to disconnect from the body you know it's 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 this idea of i've been hurt before dan I've been in a group of Christians and they said they were Christians and I've been hurt terribly and I know the word of God says that I have to go uh, not forsake the fellowship of believers but I don't have to connect with them and I would say you're wrong. You're wrong. I don't know why for what reasons you may feel that I got to stay disconnected from the body. Whatever those reasons might be it's not biblical. It's so easy to as Steve Thompson likes to say, to attend, listen, and leave, and that's it. That's not what God intended his body to be like. He intended his body in all their differences and all their conflicts that would be there to have this unity, to come together and have this relationship with each other, to be more than just popping in, you know, kind of like a movie theater, watching the movie and going home, and that's it. That's not what God intends for, his body. He says, you know what? I call you to to have this unity. I call you in the midst of your diversity to glorify my name by being one body and not disconnecting because, well, I feel a little different or I've been hurt or I don't know where I fit in. God says, you know what? That's not the argument. You're one body. You're one body, and you'll see why that's so critical to all of us, that if you're disconnected right now from the body of Christ, whether you go to this church or another church, if you're disconnected from the body of Christ, first of all, you're not honoring God's word, and secondly, you're hurting yourself and you're hurting others. That's the bottom line, and we'll see that today in God's word, because it's so important to understand this, the whole idea of one and others, Right? In the New Testament, outside of the Gospels, there are 58 times where, talks, where the Greek is translated one another. Here's just a few of them. We are members of one another. We are devoted to one another. Honor one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Accept one another. Admonish one another. Greet one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Bearing with one another. Submit to one another. Encourage one another. That's God's plan for his body to not only glorify his name but be a witness to the world around us. Oh, how they love each other. Oh, how they love each other. But you see how Paul lays this down and he says, you need to have humility to really function within that whole idea of one body. You got to be humble. Don't think a whole lot about yourself. Don't think greater than you ought to. You've been transformed, but realize that this is about humility. In order to walk with Christ in the body of Christ, we have to be humble because we need to see our need for each other. Again, that goes so against the American spirit. I don't need anybody. I don't need anyone. I can do it myself, especially we guys, right? I'm not going to ask for help. I can do it myself. And you would think that as we get older and we realize we can't do it ourselves, we'd be a little more open to asking people. But I find myself the opposite, being stubborn, saying, Oh, I can still do it. No, I'm not 25 anymore. I don't have the strength that I used to have. I need help. And so it takes humility to operate within the body of Christ because we have to confess, I am not all it. And I need others to strengthen me. I need others to have my back. I need others to honor God with all my life. It takes humility for that. I need help from others in my area of weaknesses. That's why I glory, I, I praise God for our elder council, okay? because we joke sometimes and you hear it said from up front you know all all the elders together make one good elder and par- <laughs> and part of that reason is cuz we're so different and we have different strengths in different areas and we have to be humble enough to admit our weaknesses and let somebody else stand in that gap i have a lot of weaknesses you know, I praise God for my brothers that are elders because that God just brings them in and fills in in the areas of my weaknesses, and they encourage me to grow stronger in those areas. And hopefully I do that as well for them. So we see this in a, in a microcosm within the elder council that we're so different. But God really is just, it's just incredible what he does. And I've seen the unity in this body of Christ as God is working to bring us together. Because without interdependency, the body is dysfunctional. The body is dysfunctional because no one member possesses all that is needed for the body, for the church to function properly. Take a look at God's word again. Romans 12, 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us Let us use them. Let us use them. And then 1 Corinthians 12, 6, There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Earlier in this Corinthians, it specifically says, There are a variety of gifts. And then it goes on and on. It comes to this. You see, God has given gifts. And he's given them to you for his body. And what God does, understand God's greatness in why he does things like that. What God does is this. God gives us faith to embrace him, to believe in the gospel, to walk by faith and not by sight. And what happens is he transforms our natural abilities, You know, because you were just wired a certain way and there were natural abilities for you. But he transforms those natural abilities into spiritual gifts. And the reason we know that is because they produce, when, when we are, before we know Christ, we have these natural abilities. And then by God's grace, we receive that gift of salvation and God transforms those natural abilities into a spiritual gift that produces fruit that is supernatural, It's supernatural. It brings others joy. It brings us joy. The the fruit is incredible. And he does that for his body. He does that for his body. Spiritual gifts transmit God's grace. In my weaknesses, when an elder would share something, and I didn't even think about it that way. I realized that's God's grace. He's transmitting that to me through his brother saying, "Hey Dan, have you thought about it this way?" Super spiritual gifts transmit God's grace through human means. And he does it so that he would strengthen the body, his body, that we our faith would be strengthened, that our hope would grow. that we would be guided by his spirit. And this church is being led by the elders, and we pray that it's God's spirit that is leading us, and he's giving this body guidance through the elders. But we want that input from you, like, for example, this building. Should we add on? And we're asking you, hey, you guys pray, tell us what you sense the spirit of God is leading in your heart. Because we want to know. We don't have it all. I mean, we, we do the best we can. But we want to know maybe is God working something different? And so we see that God is using spiritual gifts as an extension of his grace to this body so that it would grow. You know, I find this interesting, okay? Because if you look, I, I put the Greek word behind the words. Look at having gifts, charisma. Uh oh, charismatic according to the grace charis grace the word charis is the is the root word of charisma in other words grace is the foundation of the gifts grace god's grace is the foundation of the spiritual gifts that we have his grace is who he gives us these gifts and he's using them for his purposes and it's a, it's an extension of his grace our spiritual gifts. It's incredible when we look at God's word and we just, you know what, God, this what you're doing here is a miracle. And he's extending his grace to us. We'll see in this section of scripture that there are seven gifts that are listed and they are representative, they are not exhaustive. Okay, there's different places in, in scripture where, where adds different spiritual gifts or renames some of these, but this is an example that Paul is giving us. And he's urging us to exercise the gifts that we have faithfully. Exercise them generously. Exercise those gifts cheerfully is what Paul's saying. Whatever gifts you have, here's a list of them. Exercise them cheerfully. Let's take a look at God's word. Here's what it says. If prophecy and Proportion to our faith. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Remember, right before this, he says, you've been given a gift, use it. And he lists these. Now, I'm not going to go into each individual gift because that's not Paul's point, but I do want to address one gift. Prophecy. Prophecy is the foretelling of the future or the forthtelling God's messages with wisdom and insight. It might be preaching. Preaching would fall under that second definition of prophecy. And we here at La Crescent Free, we believe that all the sign gifts are still available today. Okay, they did not cease when the apostolic age ended. We believe those gifts are still for today. And when it comes specifically to prophecy, it is not inspired the same as Scripture. It can't be. Nor is it inerrant. And the reason being is is that we have people that God is using and our flesh can get in there. And it must be evaluated. Is this really God? When that forth telling comes about, Is this God? We need to balance this out. So we here at La Crescent Free believe that all the gifts are still for today. God uses them for the purpose of his body. And you might say, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. How can you say that? We, We shouldn't walk that way. We're reformed people. We're reformed people believe that all the gifts are for today. Take a look at what John Piper said. I am persuaded that the gift of prophecy is valid for today and is not equal with Scripture in authority, but is valuable as a spirit guided expression of something we otherwise would not know or say, which is powerful for the particular moment and brings conviction or exhortation or consolation for the awakening or upbuilding of faith. It should not spook us as something uncontrollable, but should be treated as any claim to insight. It is fallible. It may prove true and it may not because the human channel is sinful and fallible and finite. I just wanted you to know because uh, this is where we as a church stand. We operate differently than what, we, what you would say is a charismatic church because we, we operate, we want to test things. But we want you to know that as a church, we believe these gifts are still available today, all of the gifts that are listed in Scripture. And what we find in God's word is that every single Christian has at least one spiritual gift. Take a look at God's word. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. You see how he starts out in chapter 3 saying, don't think so much of yourself, don't think you're so great. Because you know what? It's about God's work in you. The spiritual gifts you have are given to you by God. How are you going to boast, as it says in Scripture? How can you boast about what you've been given? So he's kind of laying it down here. He's saying, listen, you've been given these spiritual gifts sovereignly by God. How can you boast about your gift? Not only that, but you shouldn't envy somebody else's gift. God gave him that gift or her that gift, and he didn't give you it, and he's got a purpose behind it. But we shouldn't get envious because, boy, I wish I could preach like Dan, or I wish I could serve like Brad, or I wish I could do this or that. He gives us different gifts for a purpose, and it's sovereign, as he wills. And then what he does is he takes these gifts, and he's the one that empowers them, not us. He empowers these gifts in such a way that they would have supernatural fruit. This is a picture of who God is. And we need to cooperate with each other, not compete against each other. We're just different. And I'm going to be good at things that you aren't, and you're going to be good at things that I'm not, and guess what? We're one body, and I need you, and you need me. That's how it works to glorify God. And understand this: that whatever God-given gifts you have been entrusted with, they belong to the body of Christ. They belong to the body. So don't bury them. Don't hide them. Don't stick them on the shelf and say, "Sometime I'll use them." God has given you those gifts. He's empowered those gifts, and He says, "I have a purpose," and they're for the common good the body of Christ you're a part isn't that great news you're a part of us here God has uniquely gifted you to serve this body at this time spiritual gifts are God's means of sustaining his body as we use our different gifts God is using that to make this body healthy, to cause this body to delight in him, to cause this body to glorify him. He's doing those things through our gifts. He's sustaining his body. And when we do not faithfully use our gifts, the body suffers. The body suffers. That's the picture that we have here. That if you don't use your gifts within this body, This body will suffer. Just like, you know, a while back I blew up my Achilles and it wasn't able to do its job. And so my body suffered because other muscles that were not designed to do certain things had to make up for that blown-out Achilles. And so as that Achilles healed, all these muscles that had to adjust in my body suddenly started hurting i'm thinking i just got over this achilles and now this leg the opposite leg is hurting well of course it had to it was compensating it was doing something it shouldn't normally have done it wasn't very efficient at it by the way <laughs> right and so then i'm finally getting my achilles feeling good and, I, and my body's trying to adjust i'm going wow what is happening here i can't hardly walk with my good leg And God was saying, you know what, that's your body adjusting because the muscles weren't designed to do those things, but they had to compensate. Your whole body hurt, Dan. And when we don't use our gifts within the body, that's what happens. The body is hurt, the body is handicapped. Somebody else has to fill in in a way that they might not be necessarily gifted, but they're going to step in. And so it may not work quite as well as it could if everybody used their gifts. That's the picture of the body that Christ is showing us here through Paul in the epistle of Romans. So we need you. God has planted you here. You're part of this body and he's given you gifts that he wants you to use for his glory within this body and we need you or we just aren't going to be able to operate as efficiently and for God's glory as we could. So how do you discover your spiritual gifts? How do you discover them? Well, First of all, serve in different ministries. Try something. God can't steer a vehicle that's not moving. So try something. Hey, you might find out you, you don't like doing it. That's what I did. I mean, you know, I tried, uh, I'll be honest here, uh, I tried going into nursing home ministry, just, you know, some, we needed help with it, and I tried to do it, and I thought, this is not my thing, okay? I just, it's not. And so I just was able to say, I don't really flow there. If you need help, I can go there. But I just really don't flow in, in that ministry. That's okay. I found out that it's just not normally where I, I, it's, I'm gifted in that area. But I found out because I, I tried. And I remember one of uh, the people that came here, this was years ago, they thought that God might be calling them to the missions. And so they went on a missions trip, and they came back, and they said, there in no way I'm called to missions, right? And they said, I wasted all that time and money, and I remember looking at them saying, you didn't waste anything. You found out what God wasn't calling you to. That's just as valuable as what he is calling you to. And so we got to try different things. Try them. See if God, does that work for you or not? If you lo- you know, maybe you think you love children, so you volunteer in a nursery, and you're there for about 10 minutes, and you realize, this is not my thing. Okay, okay. But try things. Here's another way that sometimes you can tell what your spiritual gift is. What bothers you? What what do you complain about when something happens? For example, you know, I went to that seminar. He wasn't a very good teacher. He should have done this, this, and this. Sometimes what we complain about is because we're gifted in it and we see somebody trying to operate in something they're not and it frustrates you. Maybe that's your gift. Check it out. Check it out. I'm sure that there are times when you've felt that way. It frustrates you. And just ask God, God, are you using this to show me whether this is an area that I'm gifted in or not? I'll tell you one thing I don't like to find out your spiritual gift. Spiritual gift inventories. I don't like those at all. And the reason I don't is this, because basically what they do, they have a tendency to box you in. This is what my gifts are. And then we use that as an excuse not to serve. Well, that's not my gift. By the way, there's no spiritual gift of prayer or musical singing instruments. There's no spiritual gift listed as that. But so what we do is we take these seminar, or these, these little inventories and we say, well, this is my gift. And this is my secondary gift. And outside of that are not my gifts, so I'm not going to serve in that area. And when somebody comes up and says, hey, we have a huge need in this area, would you serve? No, that's not my gift. I took an inventory. I know that's not my gift, right? And so I don't like to use spiritual inventories. We can so easily use that as an excuse. You know what's the amazing thing about all the gifts that are listed in God's Word? Almost all. Is that there are, they are also corresponding commands for all Christians to do? All Christians. There are some evangelists, right? That's how they're supernaturally gifted by God. Aren't we all called to share our faith? There are people who are supernaturally gifted by God to be teachers, but aren't we all supposed to teach those younger than us? Everyone. So you see, what happens is God has these gifts, yet so many of them, almost all of them, are also corresponding commands for us as just regular believers, that we need to grow in those things. So instead of isolating a group of things that, no, I'm not gifted in that, we have a tendency to pull back completely, and we're saying, listen, God commands us to all be exhorters. Lisa talked to me last night. I'm gonna share this. She, she, said, she said, you know, Dan you're probably not a really good exhorter. You know, you have to really work at it. She said, I'm natural at that. But she goes, you're not so much. But, you have to, but does that mean I shouldn't exhort people? No. I'm called to do that in God's word. And she says, you do it, but it's not natural for you. And you do okay when you do it. <laughs> she gave me an example that happened like the day before. I said, oh, yeah, wow. But you see... That's something I have to grow in because why? I know I'm not gifted in it but God's word says you know what Dan you need to exhort people. You need need to encourage them. That's part of who you are as a believer in me Dan. So I know it's not your gift but do it. I would say this. See a need fill a need no matter what your spiritual gift is. See a need, fill a need. You do not have to have the gift of serving to clean up after the meal today. Right? You don't need it. See a need, fill a need. I remember I hey, I guarantee you I am not gifted in this. Guaranteed. I was at a church, I was just starting ministry, and our worship leader stepped down. He said, "Who's going to lead worship?" I said, "Well, do we need somebody?" Yeah. I'll try. I can't sing. I mean, really. I joke about this, but I, sometimes I mean it. I think it'd be the greater miracle for God to heal my voice than change everybody in how they're hearing me sing. So I would, lead, I'd, I'd led worship for a couple months. Remember that, babe? And I had to lead worship practices. And I didn't know how to do that stuff. And so I'm literally going like this, and then we'd start a song, and I'd go up to the mic, and I'd start the first three words, and I'd step back like this, and I'd just worship God. I'd let them go, God. See a need, fill a need. And you know what? God provided someone very shortly who was really gifted in that. But we still needed a worship leader at that time. And I thought, well, I can worship you, God. I'll do the best I can. So see a need and fill a need. We have needs in this church and ministries. We've got fall coming up. We need Sunday school teachers, we need uh, tech people, you know, probably worship team members, other things, just servants to help day by day things. If you see a need, fill a need. Don't worry about whether you're gifted or not. And what happens then is God brings the gifted people into those positions, and then this body of his starts functioning the way he intended it to. And it moves, and it flows, and it is a witness to the world around us saying, look at how those people love each other. What a weird group of people. They are so different. You know, you got these guys over here who are doctors, and then you got guys that are just, you know, Common laborers. They love each other. How could that be? You know, we got all these differences Packer fans, Viking fans living in the same church. You know, it's amazing. And it brings God glory to say, look at how they love each other, even their differences. You see, we're in Christ. We're in Christ, and that is the foundation. We're one body. Jesus' body throughout the world. One body. And this is a part of that body. We're one here, each with diverse, God-given gifts. We're different. And God has empowered us in different ways. And he does that for the benefit of the whole body. Everyone. So you see how when you don't use your gifts, you hurt yourself because your, your blind spots, your weaknesses are not covered? But you also hurt the body because your gifts aren't being used in the body. Brothers and sisters, we are members one of another with differing gifts given by God. And we are called to use them for His glory, for the edification of the saints and the building up of the body. It's that unity in diversity fully intended by God, designed by God for his glory and the good of the church, his body. And all of that, it is only possible because of Christ. He's the one because his spirit dwells within us and empowers us to do what is impossible to love people that are so different from us that in any other situation, we wouldn't be friends. We wouldn't even be talking to each other. But the Spirit of God dwells within us and He empowers us to have unity in diversity for the glory of God. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we come before You in awe. We see Your wisdom reflected in so many things, God. We see your power reflected in the differences in this church. God, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. That we can love each other. We can serve each other with the gifts that you've given. Lord, we stand in awe of you. What a wise God. Lord, I pray that you would stir in our hearts, each of us, how we might serve you by serving your body here, whatever that might be, God. Lord, for people who are here visiting, I pray that when they go home that you would call them to that in their body of Christ that you've called them to. And Lord, we ask you to do this so that your name was glorified, that the world would look at this strange gathering of people and say, look how they love each other, look at how they serve each other, Lord that your name would be exalted and glorified and we pray this in Jesus beautiful name amen